You're listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For other resources, more information about this sermon series, or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. We love God's Word here at Trinity, and so I'm looking forward to getting to do this with you, but I'd like to pray as, as we do. Heavenly Father, as we hear the story of Acts chapter 2 being read in other languages, some of us know those other languages, some of us don't, um, and as we read it in English, God, we recognize that you are up to something on a global scale, that because of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension, and his sending of the Holy Spirit, God, you are making all things new, and you have made a new community in the church. And so we thank you for that reality, and we pray that as we just briefly investigate your word, that Holy Spirit, you would come right now and do work in each of our hearts to to greater treasure what you treasure, to greater uh, appreciate what you have done for us, and to greater celebrate your closeness, your presence here among us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So it may have been hard to discern because you were reading the text uh, in English, most of you, I'm sure, as people were reading it in different languages up here. Uh, But did you catch how explosive the story of Pentecost is? Did you catch how much energy the birth of the church had as the Holy Spirit was given? Anybody? Did you guys catch that? It should have had, it should have just leapt up off, I'd say the page or the the screen as you were reading it. And and what I want to take some time to look at is the fact that it wasn't a coincidence that this happened at this time. That there was this much energy, this much of this explosive act of God at this time. It was not a coincidence. In fact, it was God's plan that was unfolding as he purposefully chose the time that he chose for that very first Pentecost. So why was it the right time? I'm going to give you a few reasons. First, the Jews already celebrated their own Pentecost. I don't know if you guys knew this. They had a festival called the Feast of Weeks, and it took place 50 days after, um, after Passover, and so that's why they called it Pentecost, because Penta means 50. 50 days after Passover, it brought in devout Jews, not necessarily ethnic Jews, but people who followed God, people who knew the God of Israel, and it brought them into uh, Israel, to Jerusalem, every year at the time of this Pentecost celebration. And so at that time, we were told that people from modern-day Iran, Iraq, Syria, Italy, uh, Turkey, North Africa, Saudi Arabia were all there present in Jerusalem at that time. So it was a very important time. And in fact, the text said, you may have read in verse 5, it said hyperbolically that people were there from every nation under heaven. Of course, we know that there were some nations that were missing, but that was the known world to them at the time. 
Why else did God specifically choose this time as the right time? Because the Feast of Weeks, that's that Jewish Pentecost, it commemorated Moses' receiving of the law from God on Mount Sinai. Now, that was the old covenant that God had made, the old commitment that God had made with his people. And now the new covenant brought about by Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension was promised to be a time where all people from every nation on earth would be brought into God's worldwide family. And so this was the right time, and, and these new people They wouldn't be governed by a list of instructions that were written on tablets of stone. No, these new people, they would have the nearness of God's spirit dwelling inside of them, living in their own hearts, and actually writing, the Bible says, writing his own instructions on our hearts to guide us. And so the sending of the spirit at this time was a way of God saying, out with the old, in with the new. He was saying, I'm doing something new, and everyone on earth is invited. Big time party. Big time party. And so what went down on that first Pentecost? Jesus sent his spirit, and amazing things started happening. 120 Christians had been huddled up in this room, this upper room. Imagine that, only 120 Christians on planet earth at that time. 120 Christians, they're, they're huddled up, Perhaps they were praying and they're they're waiting on God to act. That's what Jesus had told them to do. He said, wait for the promised Holy Spirit. And so they were just obeying. They were doing what he said. And then a sound like a mighty rushing wind swept through the room where they had been meeting, it said. And tongues spreading out like fire came to rest on each one of them. This is a miracle. We don't really understand what this means. This is probably some sort of symbolic language because what in the world are tongues spreading out like fire, right? Perhaps like in some of the the paintings that I've seen, this big flame comes into the room and then splits up and goes on to each person's head. I don't know. But whatever it was, it was a tremendous miracle worked by the Holy Spirit coming to be with them. And what did they do as a result people began praising God. They just began praising God for what he had done, praising him in languages that they didn't previously know. That's what it meant when it said they were praising him in tongues. And these weren't any random languages. No, these were specifically the exact languages of those who had come to Jerusalem from around the world. Coincidence? I don't don't think so, right? It was exactly the way that God had planned it. Now, why was it happening in this specific way? Well, the people there didn't really even quite understand it, did they? There, there was some people who were there who mocked the Christians. Some people were making fun of them, and they said God wasn't doing something new. They said that the only thing that was new around there was some wine that these Christians had apparently gotten drunk off of. That's, that, that was their explanation for what was happening. These guys are just drunk. That's what they were saying. They didn't recognize what God was up to. But then there was a whole other group of people who were intrigued. Did you catch that? They, they said, what does this mean? Which, which, of course, was taken by Peter to be an invitation for him to preach. And so 
Peter gets up and preached, and he preached a sermon explaining all of what had just happened. He explained mainly by, by preaching the gospel, by saying that Jesus' resurrection from the dead proves that he is the Messiah. It proves that he is the king that everyone had been waiting for and the king who is worthy of our total allegiance. That's what Peter said. And he kind of summed it all up in verse 36. Did you see that? He said, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So the spirit was moving and he was doing it through the word about Jesus spreading. And this is the pattern that you see in the whole book of Acts. The Spirit moves through the word about Jesus spreading. And, and the sound of over a hundred people speaking in all of these different languages may have been confusing to hear for most of the people who were there. But Peter explained that it was happening now and why. And many people who were there believed. In fact, it said they were cut to the heart in verse 37, and they wanted to know what they were supposed to do. They're like, if this is true, and they were believing that it is, if Jesus really is who he said he was, if Jesus really is alive and ascended and ruling and reigning over all things, and if he really has sent God the Holy Spirit to dwell in us and to begin this new work, of God on earth, what's the response? And can you imagine maybe what kind of a response Peter should have suggested? Well, that's what he did. He gave them, uh, he told them what they, what they needed to do. Verse 38 said that they, he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You want God dwelling in you? You want to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? You want to receive the gift of forgiveness of sins? Then repent and be baptized. Have you repented of your sin? Have you been baptized? Repentance is, it's turning around. Simplest way to explain it. Repentance is turning around a complete 180, a complete change of allegiance from one Lord to another. Perhaps that Lord in your life that you need to turn from is you being Lord of your life. And you need to turn around and say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus gets to determine who I am and what I do. Repentance might mean turning around from other things. Perhaps it's a self-given identity that you have identified yourself as. Or it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Or it's your sexual desires or, or that career that you have staked your life on. Or it's your own abilities or your achievements. Any of these kinds of things that can just drive your life and essentially take the place of Lord. And then taking those things and repenting of them is bringing them to Jesus and saying, you can have all of this. Everything that I am, everything that I do is yours. 
It's yours to do with Jesus as you wish. This life belongs to you. You can take these things away from me, Jesus, or you can use them for your purposes. See, when you repent, you receive not only these gifts, this gift of the Holy Spirit, but you receive the forgiveness of your sins. Every one of us has sinned and will sin. Every one of us deserves the punishment of death. You, me, every single person who has ever lived except for Jesus. But we receive the forgiveness of our sins through him because on the cross he took the punishment that our sins deserve. And now all that is left for us who repent is the grace of God. Amen? All that is left for us who repent is God's amazing grace and eternal life with him. Eternal life that isn't something that we just get to look forward to in the future. It's something that begins right now. We get eternal life that begins right now. Life with God beginning today. Peter also told them, though, not just to repent for the forgiveness of your sins, but to be baptized. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward change. You go under the water, and your old self, that, that old person where you were the Lord of your life, that old person is buried with Jesus. Just as Jesus died, that person died with him. And you come out of the water and your new self is resurrected with Jesus. Your allegiance changed, but so did your identity. You get a new identity. As, as, as Eddie even alluded to earlier, your primary identity is not your skin tone. It's not your culture or your ethnicity. Your, your, your primary identity isn't black, white, or brown. Your primary identity isn't gay or straight. Your primary identity isn't engineer or artist or athlete or addict. Your primary identity has been made new. And you are in Christ. That is who you are. You have been found in him. And your primary identity is in him. You're no longer defined by the things that used to define you. You're defined by him. You're, not, you're no longer defined by things good or bad, right or wrong. You're not defined by your successes and your accomplishments or your failures, your fears, and your sins. You are defined by him. You have found yourself in him. And when you do, friends, here's the good news. You receive the promised Holy Spirit, this incredible gift, the same Spirit who empowered Jesus' ministry on earth, the same Spirit who rose Jesus up from death, the same Spirit who lit a fire on the church that first day and led to over 3,000 people getting baptized on that one day, on that first Pentecost, you get Him. You get Him in your life. You ever get just totally used to that, Christian? You're just like, yeah, I got the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it's old news. Today is a day where you get to remember how incredible this news is. You get him in your life to lead you 
to guide you, to purify you, to make you more like Jesus. It's amazing. And then the Holy Spirit doesn't just work with you individually. It's not just a me and God thing. The Holy Spirit brings you into the community of the church. And as the community of the Spirit, notice the word in community is unity. We have unity amid all of our diversity. See, unity doesn't mean uniformity. That's what the world will tell you. We're unified by the fact that we are the same, the same political party, the same um, ethnicity, the same preferences, the same culture. That's uniformity. But it's actually the opposite in reality. Unity uh, that God gives is not unity that's unified by culture. It's not, we're not unified by our class. We're not unified by what country we're a part of or what color our skin is. We are unified by nature of the, uh, not by nature of the fact that we look like or act like uh, or from the same place or from the same income bracket as someone else. We are diverse in ethnicity, in cultural perspectives, in gender, in age, and yet we are unified by the Spirit of God by him reconciling us to God through the blood of Jesus and then reconciling us to each other and by giving us this common identity in Christ, we are unified. Have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Have you repented of your old way of life? Have you changed allegiances to King Jesus? Have you been baptized? Are you found in Christ. If not, then today is the day to do it. Repent. Repent of your sin. Repent of your old way of life. Turn around. Today is the day that you get to be made new. And come forward after service. I would love to talk to you. There, I think, are probably going to be some leaders up here as well, immediately following service, who could talk to you about that. But if you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, church, and you have if you're a Christian, if you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, today is a celebration of his presence in your life. We get to praise God for all that he has done for us. Amen? Amen? So here's what I want you to do in your community groups this week. Read through this whole story that we just heard read today. Read through Acts chapter 2. And then answer this question, what does the story of Pentecost stir up in you? And second, spend some time praying. And I don't mean, I didn't want to be too prescriptive. I don't mean 30 seconds at the end because you ran out of time. <laughs> spend some real time praying, praising God for who he is and for what he has done in your community group gatherings. I'm going to pray and we will respond to God together. Heavenly Father, we again praise you for the mighty works that you have done in bringing Jesus in his life, uh, in, in inaugurating his kingdom here on earth, in, in his death for our sins, in his rising for new life, in his ascension to show his exaltation and power and glory. Jesus, we praise you and we thank you, God, for sending us your spirit. 
And we pray now as we respond to you, you would get a lot of glory and we would get a lot of joy. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For more information about our services or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Thanks for listening.